0: Welcome to the Church Fails podcast, where we bring our failures out into the open so we can laugh together and learn something along the way. In this episode, we're going to talk about our struggle to balance family life and ministry. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade. I'm the creator of Collaborate Worship and the lead pastor at No Limit Church. And I'm really excited that Alex is joining me in this episode from worshipministrytraining.com. Alex, I want you to start by telling us, how in the world do you say your last name? Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, okay, my last name is Nfiegean. You just say every single letter, N-F-I-E-G-E-A-N. Nice. But my wife keeps telling me we need to change it and I think one day I'll actually listen to her and do that, but no, I probably won't. But um <laughs> yeah, man, I just wanted to say I love the idea for this podcast Church Failures or Church Fails because like literally we have hundreds and hundreds of them. And so I can be a repeat guest many, many times, man. I've got like 2000 failures already under my belt. So
0: Awesome. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. Well, hey, why don't you tell us how you got started in leading worship?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a similar story to most people, which is youth ministry, right? Like, so I was a musical kid and my youth leader was like, hey, you play guitar. Do you think you could learn drums? And I, you know, stumbled my way through learning drums and started playing for youth band. And then, you know, it's kind of work your way up the ladder in a sense. And by the time I was in high school, they're like, here's a guitar. Do you want to lead worship now? And so yeah, so I've been doing that since I was 16. I've been leading worship since I was 16 years old. Uh, I'm 34, I'm about to be 35, so it's a long time. I should be a lot better.
0: <laughs> nice, man. So you're still leading worship now?
1: I am. I'm a, uh, the worship pastor at a large church in Los
0: Angeles. Nice, man. So that brings me... You know, I saw actually an image yesterday on one of the worship leader groups on Facebook of like a face shield thing that you attach to your microphone. And it's like a circle, like plexiglass shield. And dude, is cracking me up. But that's because we're in the midst of a pandemic, right? And we're all trying to figure out the best way to navigate this. So I'm just curious, like, how has your worship leading experience changed since the pandemic?
1: Dude, it's been crazy. And for all the worship leaders out there who are just feeling overwhelmed, like you're not alone, like this has been so nuts. So none of us have ever gone through anything like this, needless to say. Um, but we're more necessary now than I think ever before, because people are desperate for truth. And 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 the entire church universe got on the internet for the first time, right? Um, so I heard a stat in my own podcast. I was talking to somebody, and they said that the church online platform made by Life Church uh, doubled in size in two weeks. So over 15 years, they had added about 20,000 churches, and then in two weeks, they added 20,000 more churches. So um, it's it's just great that the gospel is going out on the internet. But how has my experience changed? Well, we went we went strictly online you know, our church is very large. And honestly, I think we calculated if we wanted to get people into the building, because we could, like, after a while of quarantine, they allowed churches to open it up to uh, 100 people or less. Uh, It was like, I think they said we would have to do 77 services a weekend to fit our entire congregation into our building. So we just said, forget it, we're going to go only online. And that was weird, because you're like, leading worship to people that you're trying to imagine sitting in their living room, in their pajamas, they're halfway paying attention. And you're like, all right, guys, we're, we're still going to focus our hearts on the Lord. And it's you're trying to lead through a screen. Um, but I know you do that all the time with your video courses and your podcasts, and I do that all the time. So it's somewhat kind of familiar, but it's just been weird to lead to an empty room. And just uh, last week, we, we'd did our first outdoor live services. And so that was fun to to see people and to hear them singing to the Lord. And, you know, that's what we do this for. If, if our heart's in the right spot, it's not about us singing, it's about the people singing. And so when you're leading a, an empty room, it's just like, okay, Lord, I just trust that you're going to take this and you're going to use it, you know, through the internet. The other thing though, Kate, I don't know if you found this and I don't know what your situation was like, but one of the cool things about leading worship to an empty room is it was kind of like, how the priests would go minister before the Ark of the Lord, like they were always alone. It was just them ministering to God. And so in, in that sense, it was kind of cool to be like, well, team, it's just us and the Lord, and then obviously the cameras, but let's just minister to the Lord and just do this for him. So that was, that was cool too. So
0: yeah. Man, that's a really good perspective. I didn't even think of that. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't have to lead worship like through this because I'm the lead pastor now. So, but I can only imagine how weird it would be to like try to lead an empty room in music, you know, when you're used to having the energy of the people in the room. Right. And when you're speaking, though, I mean, people are quiet anyway, so it's it wasn't that strange to just talking to a camera. But for me, what was weird was when people came back, because I'm in Oklahoma, so we were able to start having church again on May 1st, or the first Sunday in May. So we've been back since then. But to have, you know, part of your church still online and then try to address the room and the camera all at the same time and make them all feel included, that was a really hard adjustment for me.
1: Yeah, it's been a trip, but we're hopefully coming to the end of it soon.
0: Yep. All right, so before we get into the discussion, just tell us uh, why you started the worship ministry training podcast and the the online resource that you have there.
1: Well, I started it so I could talk to really smart people like you, bro. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: and that's sort of a joke, but it's also sort of true. Uh, you know what what it was, Cade was. I was twenty eight years old. I was leading worship at like a church of about I don't know four or five hundred people, and I wanted to raise up other worship leaders, and so I was developing like training. Material for these young worship leaders, and like, here's how to pick a set, and here's how to, I don't know, correlate keys together, and different different stuff like that. And when I was uh, doing all that, I was getting really into listening to podcasts. And there were a few podcasts that I would listen to like all the time. And I was like, man, I'm I'm writing all this material for these worship leaders. What if I just put it out on the internet and see if anybody likes it? You know. And so I started to do that. I committed to doing monthly, just because it felt more sustainable. And that was six years ago now, almost seven years ago now. So it has been sustainable. And I think consistency and content and quality is key to like seeing something grow because you're just trying to serve people well and not, and you just keep showing up. And then they keep showing up. And so, yeah, I've been doing it for seven years. I love it. Um, finally, after seven years of like, Doing all this free content, I've I started like a mentorship program where I'm taking uh, 17, 18 worship leaders from around the world through like a 10 week mentorship, and then eventually I'm going to be as cool as you, and I'm going to create a few courses and uh, start to offer those as well. But yeah, it's been a blessing. I just I love to get to encourage people in their gifts and to to help people figure out worship leading because I don't know about you, Cade, but like I was just handed a guitar, like here you go, buddy, you know, and you're like well, there's a big difference between playing guitar and singing and leading a ministry. There's a huge gap. So I like to help people try to fill that gap because I had to figure it out the hard way.
0: Yeah, man. That's, I love your story. Love your journey. And first of all, just thank you for putting the resource out there because, you know, I know how much work it takes to put the website together and get Mm -hmm. your, be consistent with your content and all that kind of stuff. So I think a lot of people might see you and I as competitors because we both have blogs in the worship leader space, but it's actually more of a completion Because, you know, God's gifted each of us in different ways, so it's cool that there's all these different resources.
1: I don't ever feel like there's any... I mean, if somebody's heart is in the right place, I don't feel like there's any competition. I mean, think about how many churches there are in the world. Like, every church ministers to a specific set of people that that need that kind of content or need that kind of, you know, ministry. And I, I think the same thing is true. Like God called you to be Cade. God called me to be Alex. And if we are ourselves and we serve people out of like just whatever God tells us to do and we're obedient, then he's going to put the people around us that need to you know be with us and the people around you that need to be with you. And, or if they double dip, great, then they get the double benefit. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't believe people think there's any sort of competition whatsoever in the kingdom of God. It's so ridiculous to me, but yeah, you're right. I I consider you a brother and I I love watching what you get to do all the time.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. And you know, Believe it or not, not everybody likes to learn from me. So that's the beauty of it too. Is like not everybody's going to connect with Cade's style of teaching, and that's why Alex is over there teaching as well, and Jake Goslin and right. Church Tools, and all these great guys that are out there serving the church. So it's awesome. For sure. I just want to, want to thank you for being a part of that community, You're doing I good love work, it. man. Thanks, man. All right, man. Well, I've been leading in church for over 12 years now. And for the first 10 years, I was a worship leader. And now I'm a lead pastor. And I can remember numerous times along my journey where I felt the pressure to sacrifice time with my family in order to do church things. And I imagine that everyone listening right now has felt that pressure at some point or another, if not like right now in this moment. So... I know it can be a bit daunting to share about failures in this area, but, you know, you let me know before this recording that you're willing to share your story and be vulnerable. So go for it, man.
1: Yeah, man. So I've had, like I said, a lot of mistakes in my ministry. Uh, One of the most heartbreaking ones was um, in regards to my marriage. It was just the biggest mistake I made probably the biggest in ministry is not tending to my marriage. There was a season in my marriage around the seven year mark where things kind of began to fall apart. Not kind of, they like began to fall apart. And there were several reasons and factors why. um, But the one that I can take responsibility for was that I personally was not investing into my wife. I was not investing into our marriage. We had two small kids and I had let ministry just become this idol right? And I had forsaken my first calling, which is to serve my family. And I wanted to just put all my eggs in the ministry basket, you know, because ministry is fun, right? Encouraging people is fun. Seeing growth in people and progress in your team is fun. Getting pats on the back and encouragements and accolades and attaboys feels good, right? But stuff at home, it doesn't always feel good. Sometimes, a lot of times, you're bombarded with your own failure as a person. You're confronted with your selfishness in your home because that's the closest relationship you have. And so a lot of us worship leaders, myself including, or ministers, we throw ourselves into ministry activity, right? Because the reward is more enjoyable. And then we leave our spouse in the dust. And in, in my case, like my wife doesn't sing. She's she's not musical in any way, um, although my kids love her lullabies. Uh, And she's, she's super introverted. Like I'm an extrovert. So we're just totally different when it comes to like being around people and being in ministry. And I use that excuse to, to just like say, okay, well you do the home thing and I'll do the church thing. And I like split the two and I poured all my best energy and effort into serving everybody else at church. And then when I came home, I expected my wife to serve me. And that is just like so backwards, you know, like I literally expected her to serve me. Like, I'm amazing. I do all the ministry and I come home and your job is to take care of me. And the the truth is like, I'm supposed to serve her first. She's supposed to be like my first uh, place of service and everyone else gets second. Right. And she's not there to serve me. I'm there to serve and to bless her. At least that's how it's supposed to work in marriage. Right. And um, so, so that was one side of the failure but there was actually a second side that made it even worse. And that was that, so first of all, I wasn't investing in my marriage, but, but the second side was that I didn't have wise boundaries with team members of the opposite gender, okay? I didn't realize how dangerous that is. Um, you know, you want to encourage people on your team. You want to connect and be relatable with people on your team. You want to be friendly with people on your team. But I didn't realize you have to be super careful. I, I didn't realize that at the time. Uh, there was this one female on my team, you know, about my age and she wanted to be a worship leader and she wanted me to train her. And so she was, you know, asking lots of questions. We started texting. We started texting a lot, like every day about all sorts of things, not just, you know, how to be a worship leader, but she started to text about like her marriage. You know, we never, we never like, there was nothing ever, anything inappropriate in that relationship, but there was just way too much connection and way too much texting. And she, she, she starts talking about, you know, I got these problems at home, problems with my husband. And how do I, you know, and she's asking me for advice about her marriage or me for advice about what to do with her husband. And I was too young and dumb to realize that that's not an appropriate topic for men and women to discuss together. That's a dangerous topic, Right. And you know, by God's grace there was never anything bad that happened. There was never an affair. There was no emotional affair or anything like that. But it was too much connection and too much um investing into this person instead of investing in my wife. And like I said nothing happened, but it could have got it could have started heading in that direction if I was if I was even more dumb and less careful, right? So those two things actually like caused an explosion in my marriage to where I actually chose to leave that church uh, in order to show my wife that I was completely serious about putting her and our marriage over the ministry. Because like now I tell people like, if you don't take care of your marriage, you're going to lose your ministry, right? You can't get it backwards. Ministry has always been about service and our marriage should get the best of our service. So that was, that was a huge mistake uh, that I made. And I hope that just by sharing this, uh, people will, you know maybe take stock in how they're doing things in their life with their relationships and and yeah man so ask whatever you want but i'm ha- i'm i'm here and i'm i'm a, i'm an open book so
0: well, i think in moments like you talked about you know there's there's lies that we tell ourselves and like to use to justify our behaviors and spending too much time with somebody the opposite sex or really even somebody just anybody on your team that maybe is just going through a hard time and You feel like as the minister, as the leader, that you got to be there for them, and you got to bail them out when they need to be bailed out, and so you leave your family dinner to go bail them out or to answer the phone or whatever, and we kind of see ourselves as the Savior is really the lie that we're telling ourselves. Like, Mm -hmm. if we're not there for them, like, they're going to destroy themselves. So, did you used to think that, too?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like, oh, I have to help this person. And it's like, no, God can help them. Like, you know, I mean... I wake up every day now and I pray, Lord, I want to serve people really well. I want to love people and I want to serve people really well. And, you know, I do that now to the best of my ability. Like even preparing for this podcast, right? I'm like, okay, I want to serve Cade really well. I want to serve his tribe really well. I want to come prepared. You know, I spent time writing stuff out and thinking through it. Like I want to come and bring my best to you and to your people. Um, And I want to do that every day to everyone else. But when it's time to be with my family, like I want to be with them and not give, like I don't want to splinter my time with my family. And I, you know, I'll just be honest, I don't do it perfectly. I get texts from people and I I want to text people during that family time, but I'm getting better at trying to give them and serve them just as much as I give and serve everyone else.
0: So I can't imagine like how your wife felt like whenever you were going through that because the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life is raise small children or help raise them. Cause my wife is a stay at home mom. So we have three little kids. We have a one-year-old, we have a two-year-old and we have a four-year-old and we have one on the way. And just to watch her like care for them all day long. Like I don't know how she does it because I'm with them for maybe like a couple hours here and there. Cause she's going to small group or doing this mm-hmm. or that. And whew, by the end of that, I'm spent. Yeah. So for your wife to be going through that raising your kids when they were little, and then you're kind of expecting her to serve you too. Like, mm. did she ever like lash out at you? Or was she just kind of like quietly peaceful the whole time?
1: Oh, man. Well, first of all, like you said, women are heroes. You know, our wives yeah, man. Or, or stay-at-home dads, they're heroes. Like, right? It's it's incredible. And I even told my wife a couple of days ago, I think Monday morning, I was telling her, uh, you know, you have a ministry too, honey. Like, you're, what you do with the kids is a harder ministry than I will ever have. And uh, I think you know, for the any women listening with kids, like, don't be discouraged that you're not in the limelight or whatever, because what you do is ministry, and it's it's more formative ministry than Kate or I will ever have in our lives, you know.
0: And man, that's uh, such a good word because me and my wife were talking about that the other day. Just but trying to get that through your head is a challenge because our culture kind of devalues kids, and it's really sad because you read. The story, you, you read Jesus in the in the Gospels, and he never devalues kids. He actually like is really harsh on people who do that. Mm-hmm. And so I read that, and I went down and told my wife, I was like, "You have like the most important job here because our kids are going to be, you know, called to do whatever God calls them to do, whether they're a stay at home parent or whatever. And and mm-hmm. you're investing every day into this, and you mm-hmm. and it's because of you that that's going to happen, whatever they end up doing. Like how cool of a calling is that?
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, my wife was silently suffering, I would say. And um, yeah, I was a jerk, pretty much. And through this whole process, she uh, was able to expose a whole bunch of sin in my heart that I had become blinded to. And um, it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me and, and it, but it was so hard. So to answer your question, she was silently suffering, but there was an explosion at the end of it where all sorts of yucky stuff came out and, um, God began healing us. But there was a moment where she, if she could have left, she would have, but she doesn't have any family here. So she couldn't really leave. So thank God, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, now that's, that's, uh, Almost seven years ago now that this happened, and where it's a totally different story. So, if anyone's in a really difficult marriage situation, like hold on, hope, don't give up, stay committed, because there's like a statistic, and it's in Timothy Keller's book on the, called "The Meaning of Marriage." And I actually talked with Paul Balash uh, in my most recent podcast on my uh, whatever podcast channel, and and he talked about the same thing: is that when you stay committed and you hold on through the hard seasons, in within three years, you're actually can. Everybody who was unhappy, three years later, like 90% of them are like exceedingly happy. And so, you just got to stay committed and press on in the in the hard times and then you get to enjoy the good times. So
0: That's a good word. I'm curious with uh, the girl that you kind of got too involved with, just spending too much time with, like it wasn't anything over, overtly sinful or whatever, but whenever you decided to like call that quits... Mm-hmm. Like, what happened with that relationship? Like, did you, or do you guys just not even talk anymore? Like, how did you oh, draw yeah. that line?
1: Well, it helped leaving the church, right? Um, so I, I actually stood up on stage and said, um, Church family, like, uh, I've decided to leave uh, the ministry to focus on my marriage. I've completely neglected my first responsibility, and uh, I need to spend a, a, a season of my life not serving people and just focusing on learning how to serve my family. It was so humiliating, but I had already been humiliated during that season, you know, anyway. So, humiliation is one of the most beautiful uh, feelings that you could ever have because you just Mm -hmm. finally let go of trying to be so awesome, you know? And um, let me see. Uh, What was the question? I'm sorry.
0: How did you like uh, draw the line? Right, Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, so I left the church. That was great. But before I left the church, I was there for four months to kind of help them transition a new person in. Uh, The pastors did not want me to leave. They were like, what are you talking about? You didn't do anything sinful. You didn't, like, there's no reason for you to leave, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, But my wife was not comfortable there. And so I chose my wife over the church. And, but yeah, the pastors, they were trying to like, man, they were trying to hold on tight. They did not want to let me go, which it feels good to be wanted, but um, that actually caused like even more conflict in our marriage because... I'd come home after talking to them and be like, no, honey, we have to stay. And she'd be like, no, we have to leave. So anyway, but the moral of the story is always put your wife first (laughs) or your spouse. (laughs) Um, But with that, that woman, um, I just stopped. I kind of just like stopped texting and um, you know, it just, I just stopped. Like it got awkward. It it was like really awkward. And um, yeah. So what are you going to do? It's like, sorry, you're, in a sense, like, what do you matter to me, you know, compared to my wife, right? Right. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, hard thing to do, but totally necessary. So, what checks and balances have you put in place to make sure it doesn't happen again?
1: Hmm. You have really great questions. You're a great podcaster, man. (laughs) Um, So, lately, um, well, not lately, immediately after that, uh, I just stopped texting females. So for like two or three years, I did not text females. I just would call. And I actually have a podcast episode that I did. Um, after all this happened, I recalled I this guy, his name's Dr. Zach Carter. And uh, he's an, he has a doctorate in his PhD in uh, interpersonal relationships between the opposite gender. And he's pretty much studies like affairs and studies anyways. And he's a Christian. So I called him up and we had a podcast chat about how to have wise boundaries with the opposite sex in ministry. So I can send you a link for that if your listeners are interested. But um, I pretty much followed all of his advice. So I I deleted social media. I deleted like all social media. I stopped texting females. Um, Now, you know, seven, eight years later, I do text some of the young women on my team, but I only text them about um, like, is this key too high for you? Or... Is this only ministry related, only like task oriented, not like, how's it going? What, you know, how can I pray for you? Like that kind of stuff. I always, and I always point them to other women. So for example, tonight I have a a team meeting. It's a a mandatory team meeting because we had a kind of big issue on our team recently. And uh, one of the things, the last things I'm going to say is that if you're struggling or you're in sin in any area, um, you need to, confess it and get it out in the light and if if you know i would encourage you to confess it to me but if you're a female i want you to confess it to this person or that person or or these are some options for you to talk to but not to me you know what i mean so that's like that's a no brainer and then um i also like if i have a female in my office the doors are open the windows are open other people are around um that's another boundary and um, trying to think if there's anything else. I'm sure there there are many other things that I do. But uh, if you if they want to listen to that Zach Carter episode and just literally do everything he says, they'll be they'll be pretty safe. I think the biggest thing is being aware. You know, at when I was 28 years old, I was I wasn't aware of having to be careful, and now I'm very aware of having to be careful. You know, so for example, one of my part-time staff is a female. She's an amazing young woman and amazing worship leader and a really, really good helper. And I would hire her full-time, but I I want to, like, I'm not sure how to do that because I don't want to work with a female full-time, like, you know, so maybe I give her an office somewhere else, like, not near me. Um, how do I communicate with her? I can't, I don't want to text her. So So what I do is I'll text her and her boyfriend together, who's also, like, a part of our team. So those kind of things, it's tricky. It's really tricky to be, you know, to live a normal life, but still be wise. But we definitely want to know that we're we're capable of making the dumbest mistakes. And the people who think they're not, in fact, that's like the number one, I don't know where I read it, um, but it was in a book somewhere that it's the number one indicator that people will, ha- will have an affair is that they think they'll never have an affair. Mm-hmm. That was the number one common denominator. But if you're like, nope, I know myself. I could totally do it. I'm an idiot. And I got to be super careful. And every day I pray, Lord, please help me not blow up my life, you know, and dishonor you and ruin my family. Like, if you know that you're capable, then you're going to be a lot safer.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. That's good stuff. I mean, really good practicals. Something that came to mind is I think a lot of people think that the whole gender boundary thing is meaningless or stupid or whatever like why can't you text another girl or whatever Mm -hmm. like that it's like you kind of got to get over yourself and just just do it that's something that I learned in Bible school I went to Brahma and they like ingrained that in us like you don't have meetings one on one with the opposite sex you don't engage in conversation you know with the opposite sex and you gave a good point of like you can tie them their boyfriend or their spouse in on the text or tie your own spouse in on the text just to Mm -hmm. make sure that the lines are clean there yeah so, have you put like any strict boundaries in place to guard your family time?
1: The best thing I do, Cade, because I'm i guessing you're similar to me. I'm a workaholic. I love to always be doing something. I hate like sitting around. I, I want to accomplish something. I probably have some deep psychological issues that I don't know about, but <laughs> I, I'm very like activity driven. So, the best thing, and these are really strict boundaries, okay? Like I have... Um, one, I leave my computer at work. So when I'm done for the day, I don't have computer, um, to work on. I, there are exceptions. Like tonight, we're going to have this mandatory zoom meeting. I got to take my computer home and that'll kind of mess with my boundaries a little bit. But by and large, I leave my computer at work and that really helps. The second thing is I actually switched from an iPhone to a Blackberry for a, a while. And just, I was rocking a Blackberry cause it's like, it literally only texts and navigates. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. but that was a little bit inconvenient. So I got like a really basic Android phone that has a minimalist launcher. It's like, it doesn't do anything fancy. It just, but I but I can have like Planning Center and Evernote on it. You know what I mean? So that's, nice. but, but I pretty much like ditched the smartphone life and I have it automatically turn off at 9 p.m. and it doesn't wake up until 7.30 a.m. And so I can't even use it. Like my wife has the, you know, she locks it, so. Or it locks automatically, but she has the password to unlock it. So yeah, that that really helps me be present when I'm at home. So
0: those are good boundaries. And It actually reminds me of a book I read recently that's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm. Have you heard of it?
1: I've heard of it. I have not read it, but it's on my my to read list for sure. Did you like it?
0: Yeah, start it tomorrow. It's like one of the best books ever written. But uh, he talks about like, he spends a good probably half of the book talking about how you need to separate yourself from your phone because that's like, the The main problem that we face in today yeah but I, the thing I, is mm-hmm. go ahead
1: well I, I think the smartphone is the number one like detriment to society right now like yeah, everybody's no getting stupider everybody's getting stupider <laughs> and everybody is wasting their precious life away it's scary
0: it is scary It's cool though, because that book will give you some ideas on some other boundaries, like to put in place just for your family time and for just your life, because you're right. I'm, I'm a workaholic too. And I would, if I wasn't married and didn't have a family, like I would just work all, all the dang time because I like it. I like what I do and I like to accomplish things. Mm -hmm. One of the things he talks about in the book though is Sabbath, which I've been in church all my life and I've heard the word and it was just always came across as some religious activity that was part of the past. We don't really have Mm -hmm. to do it anymore. And. In the book, he explains it in a way where you're like, why Why am I not doing Sabbath? Because it's actually a gift from God. Like He gave it to us to take that seventh day off and disconnect yourself from your work and the outside world, enjoy your family. And so we've been doing that since January, where our Sabbath is on Monday. We turn off our phones. We mm. and it's and it's just the family. And I don't work. I mean, and it's just it was really really hard at first. You find yourself like wanting to go over to your phone and be like, I, I know somebody texts me or call me that really needs me right now.
1: Right. Yeah, that's the one part of Sabbath that I don't do is turn off my phone. Uh, I, I probably should start. It would probably revolutionize my Sabbath. But I also implemented Sabbath with my family about mm, like a year ago, maybe six months ago. We were overly busy. We had like, besides like a crazy busy ministry, we had two side businesses, plus my podcast, plus homeschooling, plus like house, you know, we own a home. So you're always working on the home or whatever. So it's just insane. And there was no boundaries. And so I just, we just, I learned about Sabbath. I, I read a bunch of books about it and we implemented what we call free Friday, which is free Friday. You don't do dishes, you don't cook. If you know, you only do what you want to do uh you don't do anything you feel like you should do and you just spend time with your family and you relax and so it's it's always like we sit outside in the backyard with a giant cup of creamy sugary coffee and that's how I start my sabbath you know and it's like we're going to just spend time with each other and with the lord and we're going to enjoy this good creation that god made and that's when we go out and get ice cream or whatever you know it's got to be there's got to be some yummy food in sabbath
0: yeah no doubt and dude this sabbath like revolutionized my life it like it was really hard for it took me probably two months to get used to it two months of having that anxiety of my phone being turned off yeah and now like if i happen to need to look at my phone for like whatever to check the weather to see if i can go oh i bought a convertible like to (laughs) drive around on sabbath and just have a good time did you really yeah man it's a good time it's amazing. That is so out of character for me too, because I'm like an essentialist too, and like I only buy things that are absolutely necessary. And then here I am, like with a convertible in my garage. But hey, anyway, I, you, you deserve it. You were <laughs> that's another story for another time. But I'll I'll check the weather. And used to like if I saw the little notification thing on my text messages or my phone, I'm like, oh my gosh, who called me? Who texted me? And like I almost couldn't resist looking at it. Now I pick up my phone and I see those little notifications. Like, eh, it'll wait for, for tomorrow. Like I've totally lost the anxiety. I don't even care. And everybody that's in my circle, they know like if they try to contact me on Monday, they're not going to get a hold of me because I am not going to call them back. I'm not going to answer their text message because Sabbath and I put hard boundaries around it like it's my Sabbath.
1: That's awesome. I just need a little more self-control to not check my phone if I can. uh, Maybe I'll just set it up to turn off on Fridays.
0: (laughs) It'll take some adjusting. So just just uh, like be prepared for two months of anxiety first and then you get over it. (laughs) Dude, that's so good. Awesome, man. Let's end this by just tell us why it's so important that we don't let our church life overtake our family life.
1: Mm -hmm. Because your family is the people that God entrusted to you. Like, He gave you people to care for, and to shepherd, and to serve. And those are literally like your closest peeps. I mean, in some senses, if you have children, they came from your own body, right? And like, how could you neglect your wife or your your spouse or your children to serve other people when God put people right in front of you to serve every day? And again, if you lose your marriage, you're going to lose your ministry. And if you have an unhealthy marriage, it's going to affect your ministry because we're one integrated human being. Our lives are one, we're, we're all connected. And so if our marriage is failing. It's going to affect our performance in ministry in the the first place. So get your priorities right. The Lord first, your spouse and your children second, and everyone else third, and yourself last. So
0: That's good stuff, man. Thanks so much. So why don't you tell everybody who's listening right now the best way to stay connected with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if they go to worshipministrytraining.com, they can check everything out there. There's a free course. They can Uh, download for completely free. They just put their email in and they'll get an hour training on the uh, eight essential elements of a thriving worship ministry. And that'd be a great way to connect. If they want to find me on social, they can go on the bottom of the website. So worshipministrytraining.com.
0: Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us on the Church Fails podcast. And to everyone who's listening right now, it's an absolute honor to share this time with you. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that we can let you know about future episodes. And would you do me a favor? Would you share this episode with a few of your friends that you think would find it helpful? That'd be really awesome. But thank you again for being with us, and we'll catch you next time.